Gobble, gobble. For us, it is the day, for me anyway, it is the day after Thanksgiving in the United States. I am still asleep. Turkey has an enzyme in it called tryptophan. And apparently it's better than any anesthesia, any anesthesia. I'm going to redo this whole fucking thing. <laughs> Ever the professional. That is the Just perfect Just keep the blooper. tape rolling. Just keep the tape rolling. Well, it, it kind of reminds me of this song. Yeah. Name that tune, Big J. I don't hear it. Can you hear it now? No. Oh, that's just really annoying. This is a it, blooper reel for the holiday season. Hot chili women from that uh, that old uh, old uh, band that we used to used to play back in the eighties. Hot chili women. Yeah, from Noiseworks. Ah, more, oh. more of that after the break because I'm going to take you back to the nine eighty seven with Urs Bolt, who um, Bolt. I always thought you thought Usain Bolt. I thought of Frankenstein with a bolt through his neck. Um, but more of that after the break, where we've got our Zurich gnome coming on to tell us about the era of convergence of defined CFI. But I'm glad you said that you were going gobble, 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 and then men- mentioned Thanksgiving. So I thought this show was just going to go one way for a moment. Oh, this show went straight down to shitter right now. <laughs> Dear Is that James. a term you guys use in London? No, that's a dreadful expression, my old boy. P- please not, you know, it's like you use, um, you use the word f- and that's also a terrible word here in the UK. Is it? You, well, you talk as is uh, sort of your back bottom, but you know we we think it's your front bottom. So you just need to be careful when, you, especially when you're on air. Oh, fanny pack. We have fanny packs. That makes oh, sense. For goodness' sake! Come on, let's move on. We're, we're going to go back to the exciting world of um, of blockchain digital assets. This is, is why. This is why. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is why you were the crypto social media influence. What, what is it? You're the media influencer of the year at Crypto AM. Well, I I was awarded influencer of the year in the city last night, um, which I was I was very very I was very touched. I was very chuffed um, because a lot of the people that have been writing articles for us, James, were were there. Um, don't think many of them actually voted. They weren't the judges, but um, yeah, it's really good when your peer groups are recognised. You know, some of the work that we do with Digital Bytes and also with Cyber.fm. Um, on a global basis, and they said that we've done a lot to help people understand what's um, what is all this blockchain stuff about and digital assets because it's not just crypto. You know, we, it goes from crypto and the hairy, scary volatility stuff that we've seen right the way through to central bank digital currencies. Because I understand the uh, Fed aren't that far away from potentially bringing out the the U.S. central bank digital currency. So that'll be one in the eye for old uh, Mark Zuckerberg when he. Shocked the world with his stablecoin Libra project three four years ago. Is that still a thing? No, that's gone. Okay, thank you. That, 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 that's gone. That's the that's gone the way of blockchain and cryptography, which is one of the articles we talked about. And that's really your bag. What was all this about then? You know, why do we care about cryptography, James? Yeah, we are just swing batting a thousand today, aren't we? We are. So you know, honestly, I think that we get confused often. You know, we talk about cryptocurrency when we talk about blockchain and, you know, when you dumb it down and I hate to use that term, but, you know, the layman's term, there's you could have blockchain without crypto. You just can't have crypto without blockchain in theory. Right. But the reason uh, why uh, that I disagree with that. No, 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 I disagree with that you can definitely have a digital asset without a blockchain. 
well, a digital asset I would like to think is different than crypto. Oh, okay. No, okay. But no? No, but to bear in mind, the Chinese have got their own central bank digital currency, right. and it's not run on a blockchain. It's a form of DLT, they would argue. But now we're going to get really tech. Well, now, That's see, now, you're, yeah, let's talk about distributed ledger itself. I, I'm treading on your toes or your wheels. So as you can see, and, and like you said, Urs Bolt will come in later, it's it's very personably preference about how you treat all of this. And right. and where I was really just going was that we're using the word cryptography and maybe we've taken it, you know, almost like a play on words when we went into cryptocurrency because cryptography is the actual function of, you know, securing uh, this data, you know, and working for it, uh, proof of work, proof of stake, all these different forms of, of hashing. Blockchain goes all the way back to the best of my knowledge to like the 90s when I was... 70s. The 70s? Yeah. I remember it, it in the New York Times. And file sharing. Well, yeah, you're correct there. So there's a lot of hype, but the, but the functionality of it is... It, has existed for years. Yes. Right? Where a private key is unlocking access to something based on its public key. Just your home address has a front door that allows you in. And then what What were we dropping in there? In this case, you know, you have an address. Well, that address is your living room with your television, your couch, whatever. Now, in terms of finance, that address is your wallet. That might hold tokens versus coins. Tremendous or difference. Your ID, or your ID, James. It might not be money. It might, it might be just your ID. Right. So now you're back to your television, your couch, an NFT that holds the title to your car. But none of it is accessible without these machines that are automated constantly hashing away at what the next mathematical solution will be in the future. It's a mathematical function using an algorithm that only the computers know. Okay, so James, can we just go back a minute and, you know, where, what does the word, where does cryptography, where does it come from? Oh, that's, that's, a, that's a good one. I would say it comes back, I mean, are we going biblical times? Are we talking Great. about... It's in the bloody article, James. It's Top in the, the article. article. I like the pictures. <laughs> I'm winging it just on my knowledge. <laughs> well, it comes from Kryptos, and Kryptos is hidden. See, I was and right graphing, anyway. You went old school. It means to write. So you, you've written something which is hidden, which is cryptogra- cryptogra- cryptography. <laughs> I'm gonna, you know it. what? We're going to start going. Oops. <laughs> I wish you'd get together. <laughs> I wish you'd get your cryptos together. So, so what? So it is simplest. Because I'm, I'm just a simple sort of guy, James. What we're talking about is message, not written down, but messages, um, written words or, 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 or information which is hidden, cryptography, and a blockchain. And I've said this before, but it's nothing more than an Excel spreadsheet on steroids. It, it's just a way of holding the information in a very safe, secure way, and then be able to share that information. Um, and there's a lot of focus being on speculation um, and tokens and Bitcoin and all that, you know, Dogecoin and, you know, Shiba, all that nonsense. 
But the reality is, is that you can start using that technology in all sorts of different ways. And, you know, let's be honest, Cyber.fm, you were the first radio station in the world to actually start paying people as a reward to listen to them. So you basically have come out with a grown up version of a loyalty scheme, the likes of which we see with um, American Express or with British Airways or, you know, these loyalty type schemes. You've been using cryptographic rewards so people listening to this show will actually get paid for listening. That's pretty cool. So it's funny you bring that up because you could bring your airlines, you know, anybody does reward points. I show my age. I go back to the Marlboro Miles when we were collecting the basically coupons off of our cigarettes. And for the sake of this conversation, I'll call them cigarettes. Cigarettes. They, uh, you're right. So with Cyber FM, right, we reward a listener. We give them a token. That token does have a dollar value on an exchange set by the users, by the way, right? It's very important that we never said this is what the value is. We allow the free market to make that decision. But what's really happening, we don't talk about that enough, is that we are hashing away at storing data for government compliance in radio. Everybody thinks they're getting rewarded with with a monetary token, and that's a true statement. But the actual technology is logging anonymously. We don't know who you are, right? But we're anonymously logging what song you listen to, when you listen to it, where you were. We do. Why, use... James? Why? Why are you listening in and want to know who that I'm listening to, Barry White? Because the government tells us that by law we have to. Yep, precisely. And we thought on ourselves, and I always. I get humbled when you when you praise what we do, and because I do in the back of my mind go back to, well, we have to do this regardless of blockchain technology. But what blockchain technology actually solved for us as a business, let's forget about the money and, and the assets and the hype and the FOMO. What this technology solved for our actual corporation, Distributed Ledger Performance Rights Org, LLC, Dow. <laughs> what it actually solved was that we don't necessarily need to be, when accepted by the government, there's no need to audit. There's no need to scrutinize. There's no need to reaffirm. The data is pure because the blockchain used crypto, cryptographic hashing mathematic algorithms to be compliant with what the government requested. It saves and from to, our overhead as a company. And, and, and James, so last night at, at the award ceremony, I was talking to a, a company called Minima um, because Minima actually sponsored um, the, the, the award that I was given. And I was saying, well, t- tell me about some of the cool projects that you, you're working on because they use um, IoT, Internet of Things, along with the blockchain. Um, and I, I can't mention um, the name of the, uh, of the car, but it's a European car. Um, that you'll you'll definitely have heard of, and they make trucks as well. And what they're doing, what what, what this company called nearly gave the name. Then what the uh, what the automobile manufacturer wants to do is they want to be able to record data from your car. And so I said, yeah, what sort of data? And they said, well, they want to be able to record, for example, um, when maybe the the road is really frosty and really icy. And they want to be able to then the car will then trigger off and send a little message um, to something like Google Maps or Waze or someone like that, and say, in this area, there's now ice. So be careful. So it's okay. real time information that the car is generating. The driver's got no idea. The car manufacturer doesn't want to know 
that data has been generated, but it wants to, well, it wants to know the information has been generated, but it doesn't necessarily need to know um, who it's been generated, but they think that will actually improve um, road conditions and various other things and bits of information like that is going to help them um, to have automatically driven cars. So we're beginning to see the use of blockchain technology. And as we've referred to it, think of it as a skeleton. Think of it, the fabric, the faint framework. And off that is going to hold things like smart contracts, like artificial intelligence, like big data, like internet of things. And so this becomes a if you like, just the backbone, you know, we don't have a, we don't get all super excited and slavering at the lips at the thought of Excel spreadsheets and pivot tables and should be used my Word documents. It's just technology. People on the whole don't care about technology. What they're interested in is the user experience. What can I do with it? And the reason I bought, um, you know, brought up what you're doing is you're using the technology. Um, you're using that information in a way that actually the government wants to know how much do the recording artists need to get paid based on people listening to their music? And so you you approach it from the utility angle, not let's hope that the coin goes up in value and everyone becomes a millionaire. And, and we're seeing more and more evidence of that, that people are using cryptographic information and they're using a blockchain as a utility. So they're using it as a way to solve real, real problems. So, you know, and that's kind of the message in Digital Bytes that we try and get across in our show every week. We don't always succeed, but that's what we're trying to get across to people. This isn't about speculation. It's not about trying to find the next Bitcoin or anything else like that. This is about how is it going to impact on your business, on your family members and society? Because currently coming the system we got, then they're, they're left, left wanting, I suppose is a way to think of it almost. So, so I'm going to toot my own horn and then I'm going to talk about cars for a split second because I have to. And then I'm going to walk you right into the next interesting article. You ready for this? Go, go. All right. So CyberFM uses blockchain technology to save money, overhead, and resources in a corporate structure. Right? We took advantage of things that we have to do no matter what, made it cheaper, and actually used that savings to gamify and reward listeners. Because if we're going to be using their data, we might as well reward them for allowing us access to their data. That's a pretty fair, open-minded statement yeah. as an organization. Not too many people would do that. There, I'm tooting my own horn. Yeah. Now, in the world where you just described with cars, there's going to be a lot of FUD, right? Because I would love for my car to collectively announce, oh, there's ice coming up. There's a car accident. This road is slippery. Slow down. However, the FUD is going to be the insurance companies are going to know how fast I'm driving at 7 a.m. So we have no choice, if you ask my opinion, where company A is going to have to have a clear terms of service and transparency. I mean, hell, throw it in an NFT that you're awarded when you buy the car. I want to know that that data is not saying to my insurance company, James Tiley did 10 miles an hour, over the speed limit on this interstate in 31 degree Fahrenheit weather. So the, the responsibility for owning and collecting that data is tremendous. And the second article that brought that, that caught my attention was are crypto legal clarifications required? 
to enable regulators to do their job. I, that's the perfect scenario. We're not even talking about, and we're going to talk about money and security versus utility, but think about regulation in just that sense. Well, and, I, and I, this is this is really important, and, and I, I don't want people to turn off. I don't want to go to sleep and go and get a cup of tea. But but essentially, what we've seen is regulatory creep. You've got a full blown argument with all the politics and money flying around in the US as the um, Commodities uh, Trading Commission has a spat with the SEC to who's going to govern all this. You've got um, something called MICA. Um, in Europe, whereby they're trying to actually say, well, OK, we're going to put rules and regulations all around um, if you're going to get involved in cryptocurrencies in Europe. We've got the FCA here in the UK saying, oh, well, you know, any information, um, any data that's stored on a DLT ledger, then it, it immediately becomes a crypto, in which case you've got to be registered with us. And it's it's nuts. You know, your car, just take that as a simple example. Um, if you had all the information about your car in terms of when you bought it, who bought it from you? Was there any finance? Has it has it had its full service history? You know, has there been any accidents? That information is really helpful and actually really useful for you. Uh, and and actually going forward, that information about are you speeding or not, James? I honestly believe, and I, I'm I'm sixty next year. I honestly believe before I um, you know croak it and six foot under that we will not be allowed to drive many cars because 90 percent of accidents happen because of idiots like us and if you're driving a truck or a lorry in europe you have something called a tachograph and they're recording exactly how many hours you've driven you know where have you been what's the speed so if there is an accident they can go to the lorry and say actually the lorry driver did a great job or no the lorry driver's at fault so this this kind of nonsense of you know having a car that can do 150 miles an hour yet the speed limit in this country, maximum is 70, you kind of think, well, what's all that about? So coming back to sort of crypto and the legislation that we need, what's happening is the regulators are getting involved in taking your digital certificate about your car. Information about your car is information. Why does that information need to be regulated by the SEC, the FCA, FINRA, or any other regulator in the world? It doesn't. But the trouble is, is that at the moment, the legislation, the law, hasn't really defined what is a digital asset. What are its properties? Is it legally enforceable? And we've got something called the Law Commission. So you've got the big top judge, Lord Voss. He's um, currently taking a consultation from all the different lawyers here in um, the English courts and saying, well, let's put some structure around this. Let's really understand what it is that we're dealing with. And if it needs proper legislation, then regulation. Great. Let's go for it. But if it's just simply saying, well, look, here I have is some information. I, I've taken a picture. You know, we've got the World Cup on at the moment and we've just seen, you know, Ronaldo, for example, score a great goal. It's a picture. And now I'm going to create that digital picture and create a non-fungible token out of it. And that non-fungible token could sell for millions. So what? It's just a picture. Why do we need pictures to be regulated? So once we start seeing legislation defining what they are, then you can have the regulators to say, okay, maybe pictures that shouldn't be regulated. But if you're going to get that picture and then turn it into a collective investment scheme and start creating some sort of mutual fund out of, out of it, well, hang on, now you've gone back into the securities and legislation, what have you. So this is really, really important that we get some proper legislation and then after that, the regulators can take over. I was going to say, when... 
when does in real in, I almost said real life, but in the in the universe, right? Uh, I go to uh, an auction house and I bid on a famous Beeple art, right? A hand-drawn, painted, tangible item I'm going to hang up on my wall. Is yeah. there a current way for that to become a security that we can think of? Or does it only become a security if I use it in a crypto world and I set a floor price? Well, okay. So so rather than a security, is, is there a way that that becomes into the regulatory remit? And the answer is yes. Um, they've changed the law here in Europe and the UK. So that if you if you transact, if you if you go and buy an antique or so, you know, watches, jewellery, if you buy a house, if you buy a car, none of those are regulated assets. But if you spend typically more than £10,000 euros, just just as a guide, then the the agent, the the, the shop, the um, broker, the intermediary that arranged that transaction does have a duty to carry out know your client because I want to make sure that there isn't some dodgy guy called James just rolled into town with a suitcase of cash and they want to say, well, James, where did you get that money from? Because they're trying to stop money laundering. But this is this is a oh, I get cross with this, James, because just because you have 0.011% of the world who are dodgy, who are criminals, we have have to bring in all this huge amount of legislation and bureaucracy and cost to stop these one-off individuals. And I think this is why we're going to see central bank digital currencies coming, because it's a new tool for government to be able to control who's got the money, where's it come from, how have you got it? So to answer your question, if you want to go and buy a picture, is there any way it can become a security? Well, in theory, yes, if you divide that picture up and you could argue it becomes a collective investment scheme. There's an argument there. But in reality, you're already covered by some form of regulation called know your client or anti-money laundering. So you've got to be able to make sure you you know who you're dealing with just in case you find out that the money's come from some sort of proceeds of crime. I think you're right about the 0.1% or what is it, 0.1%. My grandmother used to say the squeaky wheel gets the oil. <laughs> so Sam Bankman freed or fried or whatever. I think it's freed, by the way. I, I could be wrong. It's freed. Yeah. It is everybody's saying fried, and I'm like, eh, I'm thinking it's freed. But the squeaky wheel gets the oil. So the Do Quans of the world are showing it's the, the number is exceeding the percentage of people. So it might have been eighty billion dollars, but it was two guys. Yeah, and it's all but about James, how you look at it. But James, also let's make let let's not let's not cover it up. Let's not hide the fact with all these rules, all these regulations. All these, and I'm talking about thousands of people and millions and millions of pounds, dollars, yen, Swiss francs being spent on anti-money laundering and know your client. The banks, in theory, the safest organizations in the financial system, so-called, they're getting fined billions, hundreds of billions, because they end up dealing with, you know, you're seeing, you know, drug money, trafficking money, whatever, because they haven't carried out those checks and balances. So the money's sloshing around the system within the banks. And what we need to have is a situation whereby, and it goes back to what you were talking about with some sort of a, some sort of wallet so that you can say, OK, so we know who you are, James. We know where you are. We can identify you back to your passport, back to your driving license, back to, your, you know, you pay your local taxes. So we know you. 
And if you do something dodgy, we're going to come and get you. So now let James with his ID. And I don't need to know where James lives. I don't need to know his inside leg measurement. I don't need to know the side of his bank account. But if I want to do business with someone on a, a zero proof basis, I, are you a real person? Have you got the money? Bang, I can do business. If it turns out that you're someone dodgy and someone comes to me and says, Johnny, you sold, um, you sold that electric car or that picture to James. And I say, yeah, well, he's turned out to be rather dodgy. That doesn't make me dodgy. But we seem to have got the whole thing, excuse my language, ask about face. And, and I'm responsible. Can I all this searches on you? And it turns out that, you know, maybe when I did the transaction, you were fine. And then, I don't know, maybe you became a politically exempt person because you married, you know, some daughter's nephew's brother's uncle in some country which suddenly falls out of favour with, you know, King Charles or King Biden. Is he a king yet? He is the king. Now, that was Elvis. Get out. Give me a break. You're the musician, not me. Hey, the blue Christmas <laughs> over here for sure. Uh-huh. Hey, listen, as long as my car isn't <laughs> ratting me out to my local government that I did 10 miles an hour over and proactively issuing me a ticket, even if I could pay it in Dogecoin, I don't want that. I don't need it. No, no. But if your, if your car insurance was a fraction because you weren't allowed to drive it, because you are a mad son of a gun, then you probably will start going in automatic mode. So when you want to have the cheaper insurance, you can flick it over to automatic mode, and then you know you're going to be safe and secure, and you're going to be able to know the next three traffic lights ahead of you are all synchronized your car. You're going to kick back, and you're just going to get in the back seat and just listen to music and say, oh, hang, I'm not going to worry about that. Yeah, it's a tough call. We could probably do a whole article about autonomous driving. <laughs> but uh... well, we, We've got adverts over here. For the new Audi, and it's it looks it looks like Santa's getting in the car as a Christmas advert, and and it talks about you know he gets in the back and the car's being driven, and it says at the bottom this feature of automatic driving is not yet available in all locations. So it looks like Audi's new car is um you know looking to come onto the streets pretty soon as soon as they change the laws and le- regi- laws and legislation to allow autonomous cars. And te- you know what? This week Tesla announced the beta program for the full as full automated driving people paid $15,000 for the option to participate in a beta program. I don't know, man. I am. I, yes, I look forward to the day where I jump in a car and say, take me to Walmart, but I don't know if I'm going to, the first time I do that, you're putting your life in the hands of, a couple of Doe Kwans tried coding something. I, I don't know. Such a tough call. Oh, well. Right, well, James, we better go because we got Frankenstein. I'm sorry, Urs Bolt. Usain Bolt. He's in our green room. And we've flown him all the way from uh, Switzerland. And he's going to be talking about the convergence. You know, we're worried about cars and kicking out the drivers. He's, he's more interested in the convergence of centralized finance, the sort of stuff we know at the moment, to this thing called DeFi, decentralized finance. And why is it important? How is it going to impact on us? You know, you keep, so, bringing, these, so that's good. You keep bringing these Swiss guys in. We're, I'm telling you, we need to make some money, Johnny. We need to start charging in chocolate. If, chocolate. If Swiss chocolate? Good stuff. I've got to be honest, it's better than that Hershey stuff you eat. I don't even want that. Yeah, no. Um, you bring in Swiss people, I'm, I'm going right for the chocolate. <laughs> okay. And James, I've got to give a big shout out. Um, 
you know, you've you've been you've revamped your team's revamped the team blockchain website. Do you want to just quickly tell us what you've done? So teamblockchain.net, I'm going to I got it in front of me somewhere. Let me pull it up real quick. teamblockchain.net. What's what's nice about it, I think. You're always making me toot my own horn. Right in front oh. of you the minute it loads up, you've got links to every we don't care how you listen to this show. I mean, I'd love for you to listen on Cyber.fm, but let's be realistic. Anchor, Spotify, Apple. What do we got? Google, we got Amazon. Google, Google. Amazon, iHeart, CastBox, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, Pandora. And you could always say, Alexa, open up Digital Bytes Podcast, and she'll do that for you. We put that right there in the very front, and right next to it, if you have no idea what we're talking about every week, stick your email address in there and actually get the newsletter. I mean, there's no effort involved here. And if you don't have a favorite podcast software because you haven't decided that you want to get paid for listening to us talk, you can just click on the play button right below that and listen. Fantastic. So really easy to read. We've got back issues there. Um, And the other thing we really do want, um, the reason we're trying to make it really simple, if you've got a question, if if there's a topic you'd like us to cover, um, then just, you know, you can... Go, go on the website and you can just send us an email. Um, you can always contact James at uh, cyber.fm or myself at Team Blockchain. Um, we're both on LinkedIn. But always good to get your feedback, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, and other topics. And if you want to come on as a guest article, then just, just send an email to info at teamblockchain.net and we can tell you how you can come on as a guest article and we'll make your own podcast for you. So that's a bit of a shout out and advert for some of the work that James, um, myself and our teams are doing at the moment. In fact, we made that even easier, right? Because you could just click here to email us. You could click on our faces, which we've been doing at Cyber FM forever now, and you get a hold of Johnny and me on LinkedIn right there. And we even show you who the uh, we show you the back end people, the ones who work the real magic, the ones that do the hard work, James. Angelina translating everything to Chinese, so it's yep. real Chinese and not AI Chinese. I think there's a tremendous difference. Yep, fantastic. Okay, James. We're going to go, and um, we got uh, coming up after break. Erzbolt talking about convergence of uh, DeFi and decentralized finance and centralized finance, and then um, after that, we'll obviously be back on the airs, airwaves next week for another edition of Digital Bytes. But uh, for now, that's enough for James and I. Want to have some fun? The next time you're in a computer store, set all the laptops to cyber.fm. Turn them up real loud. And if the salesperson gets angry, tell them we told you it was okay. This is cyber.fm. Hey guys, we're back. It's James Tiley and Johnny Fry. And I'm a little hungover from the American Thanksgiving. I got that turkey tryptophan. Uh, I know we talked about it earlier, but I've just, I've not gotten over it yet. I'm, I'm hurting. So, James, you've not gone cold turkey, have you? Cold turkey, you know, we'll discuss the quitting smoking thing later. Uh, let's not bother. Is it yours, Bolt, or Bolt, right? Yeah, Erzbolt. Erzbolt wrote a featured article. Yeah. So Johnny brought you on, and uh, the great convergence, the encroachment of DeFi into CeFi. I'm going to enjoy uh, this one. Well, but Welcome to the show, Els. Good to have you on the on the show uh, first time being here, I, I think it'll be the first of a number of times, hopefully. But you've written this um, article about sort of great convergence. And we've had a number of people talking about the, the era of convergence and how sort of decentralized um, or DeFi finance and centralized finance, CeFi, how they're sort of 
sort of um, merging or sort of coming closer and closer. So really interested. Before we get to that, can you just give the listeners a bit of background about um, about yourself um, and, you know, w- you know, how you got involved in in this sector? Yeah, sure. I'm a, a veteran banker in a way, but um, also had phases when I was working technology, uh, usually banking technology, risk management, stuff like this. When I early started, early 90s, I was a trader in currencies, money markets, also rate swaps. So I know quite a bit about the OTC market from that time. I think that's not that much changed, but the channels, the formats, the technology obviously changed. Then I got into uh, technology when Basel II came into place, data integration, stuff like this. To make story short, after eight and a half years, got back into banking at UBS. I did post-trade services um, programs, rolled it out uh, around the world. And that's also when I met one of your uh, guest speakers, Olaf Ransom, when it was about uh, CLS, continuous linked settlement systems, stuff like this, all in the space of post-trade service for FX and currencies and cash management. Then I went into the world of wealth management at UBS, still the projects in London, in Germany, in in Moscow. And then end of 2009, I moved over to Credit Suisse and went to London for two and a half years, was in prime services. We opened the platform for our top clients in the ultra high net worth space. It was quite exciting. I think there's not much left over at one Capit Square, to be honest, but I have no idea what the guys are doing. If there is anyone left, I would know. And then, and end of, and then was five years in the, uh, independent, uh, asset managers or external asset managers, as we call them here in Switzerland. So basically the intermediary space for five years of credit Swiss, then got out, uh, went into, uh, end of 17. Uh, did my own advisory, including some blockchain startups, started to learn about all the digital asset space, crypto, etc. So back then for like more than two years now, I'm with a tech firm, a leading engineering company in Switzerland called T&M and um, in product management, product marketing. And that's where I am today here. And I'm writing articles about the topics you just mentioned. Uh, how is DeFi kind of encroaching into CFI because I see just some fundamental trends in the space now. Um, some are accelerated, well, obviously. Okay, so so let's, let's start at the... Sure. Urs is going to love... James is going to love you because he, he's an old Wall Street veteran. I just realized... We were talking off air, right? And he, you Yo. said you were a Noiseworks fan? Yeah. So I they mean, did have a song. One of, one of the bands. I, I still have CDs at home. And I'm um, still have the old store and could listen right away. Because they <laughs> did have a popular song out. I mean, I was 12 years old, uh, but it's called Take Me Back. Yep, exactly. And, and you were, you triggered that. Yeah, you triggered that in my mind. I, you're, you're, don't get me wrong. I'm enjoying the finance, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, I'm me. And uh, it annoyed me that I did recognize Noiseworks while we were talking <laughs> And then what you were talking about going back in your history, it just magically appeared. Yeah, see, that's Take how it me works. back by Noiseworks. I mean, they were very, they were popular in the in the in the in the Australia in the eighties, I believe, until the nineties. Right, I was a kid, but like that was trouble. when Midnight Oil and other other OC bands. But that's Midnight just the OC Oil. rock part. Yeah, very all right. Cool. I didn't mean to break your 
yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks, anyway. James. Thanks. We were just about to get into DeFi, and you took us back to the 80s. To, That's you know, what I do. <laughs> <laughs> So, Erz, what what do you Erz, what do you actually mean by DeFi? Because obviously we've got listeners literally all over the world in almost well 190 countries listening to Cyber.fm. So I'm interested. How would you explain to to a novice what DeFi means? Yeah, I mean that's exactly the right question to ask. So obviously, um, the inventors who came with DeFi, decentralized finance, wanted to get rid of let's say central authorities or um, regulatory bodies, etc., and also to um, take out the risks you have when you have to transact with um, in bilateral agreements, etc. So it's almost what, what's happening now, and I think the idea, the concept is quite brilliant. If you take out the human being, right, what we just see now, of course, now the big happenings is a more centralized um finance with these um, exchanges and brokerages. But above all, what I mean with human being, the problem is really there is greed and there are are crooks out there which which, um, make the space a bit difficult that pure DeFi, decentralized finance can take hold. And I mean, that was also one reason and the trends I followed why I wrote the article. But it's almost like what... Tim Berners-Lee says about forget about the Web3 hype. That's all wrong. Just forget about it. Try to really think about what what do we really need in the internet, right? And I'm not sure in what direction. I mean, I, I pretty much know in what direction it goes, where we all come from here on the podcast. We will go into a regulated space. Otherwise, you will not get the support of the... Um, institutional money and of the big mainstream. So this is something I think it's almost like an innovator's dilemma with DeFi. There will certainly, the technology by itself will be used, that's for sure. But will it be will it be also in an environment where we can truly say we got rid of the systemic risk of the traditional financial system? You're decentralizing. It's a way of life as opposed to a technology, my opinion. Yeah, it 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 ha- is a lot a lot to do as well how your mindset is and 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 yeah, you can almost call it a way of life, but is also the culture and in what environment did our economic system, the financial system, um, actually proliferate? You know, basically goes also how is capitalism functioning, right? And if you okay, fundamentally want to change that, it needs it needs a huge rethink. And I'm not I, I know the people who who can do it, know it, but will they find a majority of people that I doubt? And I say that because I have a libertarian mindset, right? Okay, but but why should people listen to this? Why should they care? What what's the big deal about DeFi? You know, we've got banks, we've got asset managers, they've been around for yonks. Um do we really um do we really care? Does it does will it impact on people? Yeah, it it will certainly do because what these new concept of decentralized finance with the underlying technology, the foundations, how you can build it and on which it is actually already built, uh, technology wise is um, very appealing because it 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 really allows to build ecosystems and include 
in a way, do financial inclusion. I'm not talking about basic banking services, of course, but to widen the space for investors and to create platforms and ecosystems which make it much easier to exchange value assets, transact with it, what we probably would call in the old world uh, delivery versus payment and stuff like this, because it's all on a distributed ledger and you can basically put it into smart contracts or basically program it, including all the life cycle transactions. So that will, and that's what I also think is one area where the potential for these technologies will be huge is private market assets, which often when you look at your own firm, you probably have a piece, a word document where you write in um, your statutes and everything for the shareholders, etc. And then you have an Excel sheet where you do the registry of the shares. And now, and we already have it, is it's just not yet that mainstream, but it already works. You can now issue shares on a DLT with smart contracts where everything can be built in and programmed in. So everything can be automated as well. So this right. that's why I say the technologies, the building blocks, etc., they will be used. And I think there's quite a common uh, agreement among experts from the bank side uh, or from the incumbent side, established uh, financial services players and from the new world who go into the space. And, and in, your, in your article, you, you... You, you illustrate and, and remind us of the growth of private assets. So these are companies typically that aren't quoted uh, because in theory, in the public environment, you're a public company. You have to file your reports and accounts. And in theory, you, know, you have to say how much the directors own and what the debt is. So information is a much more, in theory, transparent, whereas in private markets, um, the information is typically only in the hands of the, the people running the companies um, and the, the the shareholders who tend to be large organisations. So, so a lot of the smaller clients, retail clients, lady and man in the street are, are locked out. But we're beginning to see that change as blockchain technology shines some transparency on on what were fairly opaque markets, which is interesting. Absolutely. There, there is already one part of the convergence and why I see the institutionalisation of DeFi is, so you see wealth tax, which usually allow people to invest maybe at lower thresholds with little money, which they before couldn't do with the established um, wealth managers or advisors. So that's one part of it, which they provide access via a simple app or a portal or whatever. And the other part is the huge volume you have in private market assets, which needs to be dealt with in a much more, efficient way in terms of administration. So primary markets, how do you issue an equity, but also debt, but also tokenize real assets, you know, collaterals, which you possibly want to tokenize to get funding. And and this, these technologies now, the blockchain technologies and all coming with it, DLT, smart contracts. And also when you have a regulatory framework, like in Switzerland, and hopefully soon in many other places too, you can actually use this and to bring it together. So you basically have the wealth tech space. It's like in fintech. They often did a very great user experience, which mm-hmm. is not yet the case maybe in many aspects in the crypto space. And we're actually not talking real crypto assets or native crypto assets. We rather talk about digital assets, 
which build on something tangible, which we already know about, which is also regulated. And we just build a digital twin of it. And that's that's why I see to, in a way, widen access for more investors for the affluent space. There is a convergence angle Got here it. coming together. Got it. And 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 you've obviously got experience because you've you personally worked in a number of countries. But it, but it's interesting to see this the, the the use of the technology and this convergence. It's, it's not just happening in Zurich, and it's not just happening in London. It's not just happening in Singapore. And you you quoted in your article a number of different countries um, and a number of real examples of it's not just chat. It's actually happening. So if anyone would like to get a copy. Um, of the article. If anyone wants to get, then obviously, you know, you can go on to digitalbytes.substack.com. But as if anyone would like to get hold of you, what's the best way to get hold of you to find out a little bit more um, about some of these topics that you're raising in your article this week? Um, the best is following me on Twitter. So I'm tweeting, I don't know how many times a day, following right. these topics. You find me, of course, also on LinkedIn. You type in my name into Google, you find my YouTube channel. It's not extremely busy there but when I have when I do a speech when I have um, uh, something I can share it's also shared on my YouTube channel and um, but basically Twitter is my main channel where I share what I see and read so basically everything Uh, it's Earthbolt it's it's always U-R-S Bolt like the Sprinter B-O-L-T and you find me you can just Google me and you find me it's Bolt, as in the thing that Frankenstein popped through his neck. I don't pop. know that one. He doesn't but... know that one. Remember, remember Usain <laughs> Bolt, the world's yeah, fastest runner? That's the one. Because, oh, that you know, Bolt, I, was, I was faster than Usain before he was born. I did an 11-second hand stop in my 400-meter trainings when I was an active uh, athlete. Uh, that was obviously quite... Is that when you were on the run from the compliance department? <laughs> no. No, no, my God. <laughs> James, the compliance you know, department at those times, they were, <laughs> did they really exist already? I'm not even sure. <laughs> when that seconds are required, sure. the SEC are minutes away. Yeah. <laughs> any any thoughts, James, before we wrap up this week's show? Obviously, I know you share a lot of, uh, you understand a lot of this because you were very active in Wall Street and in some things that I was just talking about. Any Any thoughts on this convergence topic we've been talking about? Well, yeah, you know, my whenever we talk about I'm the I'm the dumb American, right? So it, you guys, I always say, are a few steps ahead of us in terms of regulation and you know centralization. When it's, I believe it's centralization when it's needed, as opposed to having it be needed. So mm-hmm. every time that we get an example like this, I feel like you're doing it right. As long as, and this is probably a good example. In the end, where you go, so is DeFi meeting CeFi and oxymoron. And that's been the, the subject lately. DeFi, absolutely on point for those of us who might claim to be able to manage everything on ourselves, right? And then yep. CeFi absolutely should take on a few DeFi concepts in a structure where, you know, Titan Bay asset management is going to, you know, safely procure digital assets for people that just they got no business doing that they just they want their money they want it held somewhere with uh you know new exciting features like a DAO. i don't there's a role for it there there's absolutely a role for it and i think that you guys are 
So like this article touched on the good examples as opposed to really, I'm sorry, but what's going on in the U.S. is a little bit different. So well, I do become James, a bit think, dumbfounded. Well, James, I think, I, well, yeah, I think you're, you're surprisingly humble for America. And I think that's why we get on so well. But, you know, you, you've done, the Yanks are doing some great stuff. But I, I suppose I would just like to finish with one little example, um, because a lot of people, you know, the Swiss don't just make chocolate, great chocolate and fantastic watches. Um, but I think in this particular space, really interesting to see what your old employers did um, at Unibank of Switzerland and created a digital bond that was freely tradable in, a, if you like, the old fashioned sort of electronic paper way. And it's going to become part of the Swiss bond index, but also in a digital manner. Um, and it was issued or it, it's tradable on the Singapore and the Swiss digital exchanges. And I think that's just a fantastic example of how the, this sort of emergence, the sorry, the convergence of the sort of the new and the old worlds come together and people can trade the one that they feel is appropriate, the one that they want. And I think over time we'll see institutions being exposed to both, if you like, DeFi and, and CFI. So um, Absolutely. that's really great. But uh, yeah. thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for sharing some of your thoughts. And, thank uh, you, Johnny. We'll thank you, James. Yes, I hope that's so good. too. I'm overdue Brilliant. to visit London Brilliant. again. And James, that's uh, another week. Um, you've got Thanksgiving over. Next week, It'll almost be December, not quite, um, for the next next show. So um, we'll be back on the air. And if anyone wants a copy of um, Digital Bytes, as we said, it's uh, www.digitalbytes.substack.com or you can contact James Tiley or myself, Johnny Fry. We're both on LinkedIn and we'll happily uh, send you a copy of Erz's article and the rest of this week's Digital Bytes. I think, I think, I think it's easier to go to teamblockchain.net and just stick it's your email right in You've now revamped the whole website. You're correct. Don't take this it's away from me. This is my moment. <laughs> <laughs> a big thank you for the new new look website. Go and have a look at it and check out all the different articles and podcasts that James and I have been talking about for a while now.